Veronica has her sword, Tom has his laser, and I have my mind. And a mind needs books and this podcast as a sword needs a whetstone if it's to keep its edge. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support and sharpen your mind. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's oh so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. I feel like it's weirder that you're back this week than last week. (laughs) Why? Because last week it was like, oh, I'm excited. Veronica's back. We're back to normal. Mm -hmm. And this week it was more unexpected, right? Like my brain went back to... Uh, being used to not having you mm-hmm, here mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. wasn't thinking about it because it wasn't your first episode back. So then I was like, oh, right. Oh, right. Veronica's here. I get it. Yeah. It's all positive. No, good. good. Yeah. Um, I should hope so. I'd be a little yeah. weird, awkward. Um, <laughs> yeah. If I was like, oh, Veronica. I'm still on my stupid <laughs> yeah. AirPods. So as usual, I'm going to apologize for my sound quality, which I never actually like follow through with because I, I don't listen to the shows because it freaks me out and I hate listening to my voice. So I don't actually mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. if the recording version is bad or if I'm just overly sensitive. So nobody tell me, please. I don't want to know. Just don't tell me. I'm just going to keep please. going on this path. This is uh, one of those situations where we want no feedback. Just no feedback. Please. Yeah. From, no feedback from the audience. On anything else. Anything else you have to say Fair is great. Game. Just not on Not that. on this one. Yeah. yeah. I just do not have the energy uh, or time to figure out this particular problem right now. Wow. You're, that's spoken like a mom. Yeah. Uh, hey, how is everything? Everything's good. 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 It's okay. good. Not that, sleeping so much. Sincere. Not sleeping so much. Gotta say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All work and yeah, no sleep okay. make brown pig go something, so something. So what are you drinking then? Um, what I drink every night, Tom. <laughs> Wine. <laughs> but what flavor are you drinking this I am time? drinking a, surprisingly, a Chardonnay from Gundlach Bunshu, mm. which is the uh, winery that I am I a member Gundlach of. Bunshu. Oh, you're a member at Gundlach. Yeah, They're good. Gunbun. I like them. Mm-hmm. I'm a Gunbun member, and they have a Chardonnay. I'm a St. Francis member, but I do like a Gunbun. Hmm. Where is St. Francis? It's uh, right outside San Rafael. Oh, that makes sense. Or, uh, I'm sorry, not San Rafael. Um, it's right outside of... Um, Sonoma, <sighs> Napa, St. Helena. It's Sonoma. It's Sonoma. I'm, I am I think it's like near Rohnert Park. Is that right? Rohnert Park South? I don't know. I don't know these things. I'm not from here. Yeah. It's right outside <laughs> the town we were staying in when we went to the wedding in Rohnert Park. Did I go to the That's wedding in Rohnert Park? No. Okay. Yeah, it was not a wedding you It went was not to. my wedding. No, it wasn't your wedding. No. <laughs> Did I get married? No, okay. Your wedding was in your wedding was in Napa. My wedding was in Yountville. Which is in yeah, Napa Valley. Which is Napa County. Which is Napa Valley. Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. so that was a this, rabbit hole. Same anyway, yeah. Um, uh, I'm not drinking St. Francis. I'm drinking Chateau de Sigan Bordeaux mm. uh, from La Trader Joe's. I do enjoy a Bordeaux. This Bordeaux was weird. Tell me more. It it opened bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah so so we opened it. You let know, it we breathe. let it breathe, mm-hmm. but you know, normal thing. But we we're like, mm, I don't know. And then the second time we drank it, 
uh, and I don't mean like the second glass, but like we plugged it back up and we drank it the next night and we're like, eh, maybe a little better. And then, so that was Sunday and Monday. We gave it an off day on Tuesday. Had an extra <laughs> and day of rest. Tonight, <laughs> we opened it up again, had it with some chili limon Lay's potato chips. <laughs> Tasted amazing. Wow. Good pairing. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you just need that pairing, a little acidity. I think the pairing may have been part of it and then the time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I find that the longer I leave a red wine out on my counter, the better it gets. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely worked with cool. this one. And the uh, chili limon plays potato I chips. Uh, so we discovered those by accident. Uh, during the, the throes of the pandemic, we were getting groceries delivered from Amazon Fresh, and uh, we got somebody else's bag. And we were missing our bag. So we we called Amazon and they were actually really good on the support mm-hmm. call. And they're like, okay, we'll get you your stuff out t- tomorrow morning uh, that's missing. And just keep, don't worry about the other stuff. Keep it, do whatever yeah. you want with it. So there was like, I can't remember exactly. I think there was like some fettuccine pasta, apple, apple juice, and chili limon potato chips. And so we're like, oh, I guess we'll try the potato chips. They're amazing. Wow. That is an interesting We've story. We've bought them like six times since then. And then we discovered they pair very well with wine. Um, I had an interesting chip experience recently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Someone sent me like three bags of crab themed <laughs> potato chips. Um, <laughs> Only because I sent them to someone else and someone on Twitter was complaining that they felt left out. Well, someone didn't mean to but it ended up are. being that two of the bags were already opened so i had to throw them away <laughs> they were open you a text about this you didn't get the text you told me they were crushed okay, you told me they it's were us. crushed i didn't know they okay, were spoiler opened. Alert, the story's about us um yeah so <laughs> the bags came and there was like a big grease stain all over the outside of the box and i was like oh my god and i was sure it was live animals inside i don't know why i was positive that there were live <laughs> animals inside the box that i'd set you crap like actual, actual crabs, crabs. And I opened it, and yeah, the, the only one that survived was the old bay chips. When you said survived, I just thought the other ones no, got they were crushed. Open I didn't to the realize air. they were. So they were totally oh, stale, wow. and I got. Yeah. I tried to eat them, and Ryan was like, "Do not eat those open bag of chips from God knows no, what no. location they came from." My guess is they did get crushed, and in the crushing, it popped them open. That's probably what. Oh. Ryan just texted me. He could hear me from the other room. He wants me to note that correction. <laughs> I made him open the box because I was so terrified of it being live animals in the box. So uh, that's a good, it's a fair yeah. point. It's a fair point that needs to be clarified. <laughs> okay. So this is a science fiction and fantasy podcast. Um, yes, it is. Mostly. <laughs> Let's jump into the quick burns. Yes, uh, Mark submitted in our Goodreads Quick Burns uh, what we all were excited about. The SFWA announced the 56th annual Nebula Award winners. Woo-hoo. Best novel went to Network Effect by Martha Wells. We, pick which we just read. Uh, best novella went to Ring Shout by P. Jelly Clark. And the Andre Norton Nebula Award for Middle Grade and Young Adult Fiction, A Wizard's Guide to Defensive Bacon. Baking. Sorry, not baking. I guess you could bake bacon. Uh, by T. Kingfisher. Nice. Um, I have to say, I was a little bit surprised that Network Effect won. I have to say. like, Really? I, Why? 
I'm trying to pull up. Not the, disappointed. No, not just like, oh, I thought, yeah, um, yeah right. I want to actually go back and, and get all of the, all of the, um, the full list because I want to make sure that I get this right. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. So the, the novel nominees were Piranesi, um, The City We Became by N.K. Jemison, um, Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno Garcia, The Midnight Bargain by C.L. Polk, Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse, um, and Network Effect, of course. And I think I was just kind of so used to N.K. Jemison winning things. <laughs> and, and deservedly so, yeah. right? You're like, well, how could anyone beat N.K. Jemison? And then yeah, Susanna no, that's, Clark, that's of course, with Piranesi, which was so excellent. Um, you know, we're not wrapping it up tonight. And because you, pick, because you picked, because I picked it, it. So you're like, well, obviously, um, yeah. But I think... And Tom picked Martha Wells, so, so it that, can't win, so. <laughs> um, But I think, yeah, I think with Susanna Clark and her, you know, kind of, you know, Doctor uh, Strange and Mr. Norrell and like kind of, you know, mm-hmm. the cachet of yeah, the yeah, books that she's totally. written in the past. I kind of, yeah, I guess I just assumed that it was either going to be Clark or Jenison. Um, but I'm super happy for Martha Wells because I, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of course, that series. Yeah. Any one of those authors could have won and I would have been very stoked. Well, and that's the difficulty with, with mm-hmm, awards, mm-hmm. right? Is, is some years it's obvious and everybody goes, yeah, that was the best. Some years it's like, you got six totally deserving. Like, how do you choose? And then any one of them wins, it leaves someone out. It right, just, it yeah. just depends. So I mean, you know, we, we yeah. have experienced that. I mean, <laughs> We, we maybe I know how it feels to be honored. Maybe we yet also soul crushed. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Soul crushed. Yeah. Crushed like two bags of crab. Crab thing chips. chips. I'm really sad. I didn't. How were the old Bay chips that you intense, did? Intense, man. They were intense. Oh, like, really? Okay. More flavor <laughs> than I think they required. Like old Bay is already a very strong <laughs> flavor, which I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. And these were like, of course, caked in it. Wow. Yeah, but I was eating. I, I put them in my sandwiches for like an extra burst of, of flavor, flavor town. Oh, I like yeah, that. I like to put chips in sandwiches. Yeah. Um, anywho, uh, moving forward, Trike says N.K. Jemison. Speaking of which, announced the new deal with Sony to adapt her Broken Earth trilogy, which she will write. So she will write the adaptation. Uh, she wrote on Twitter recently on June 4th. So folks have been asking me for updates on the Broken Earth TV slash film adaptation for a while. And I haven't been able to say anything because a lot's been happening. But at last, I can share. And linked to yeah. the Deadline article in this her blog. Great. Yeah. So that's exciting. Uh, so seven-figure deal, uh, Sony TriStar. Um, this, I mean, honestly... There, we always give the the caveat of like, oh, these deals don't always end up in a production. I get the sense this is going to end up in a production. Mm-hmm. There's just too much buzz around it. Yes. Um, I'm very excited to see what the casting looks like. I feel a little more pressure now to finish the trilogy. I still only read the mm. first book in the series. Um, so I think I yeah. need to get, on, get on that jazz. Um, but very exciting news for her. Congratulations. Uh, and we only have one other quick burn for this week. Uh, you know, we're getting into those summer months, so sometimes uh, things slow down a little. Christos uh, pointed out that D- WB is making an anime Lord of the Rings prequel about Helm's Ooh. Deep. Uh, here's a quote from the Collider article on it. The Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohirrim will be directed by Kenji Kamiyama, 
who started as an animator in classic films like Jinro, The Wolf Brigade, and Akira, Ooh. and is best known for directing the <gasps> cult classic anime series Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, which Collider <laughs> points out is the good one, not the Netflix one. Okay. <laughs> That's a good, you know, good to point that out. Good distinction there. Yeah. Um, very cool. Helm's Deep. I mean, if you're going to do you're going to break out a, a section from Lord of the Rings. That's a, that's a pretty good. Well, it's not the Helm's Deep that we see in the movie. This is like, remember the when OG they go there and they're Helm's like, Deep. ah, yes, this is where the battle, ha- you're going to see Got the battle. It. You're going to see the thing that he's talking about in Lord of the Lord of the Rings movies. You're going to see the actual battle that I happened meant. there yeah. first. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. definitely what I meant. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The war <laughs> of the Rohirrim is yeah. what you meant. Yeah. What did you think I meant? <laughs> what else would you I didn't uh, No, I was clarifying for the uh, audience. I knew yeah. you knew. Okay, cool. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. Um, no, but still exciting. I'm always I'm always down for more Lord of the Rings content. That's always a plus in my book. Um, but now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Um, I'm gonna let you handle this first section because I am not in our Discord. Right, we do need to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Uh, as I recall, it's a misadventure of username, mm, password. It's a misadventure stuff. in two-factor authentication. Two-factor authentication. Okay, I knew it had something to do with logging yes. in. Yes. Okay. Um, but we will we will figure this out and get uh, Veronica in there. Uh, but if you're not in your Discord, like <laughs> Veronica, co-host Veronica Belmont. Uh, here's one of the conversations you missed. Would, would you like to play the part of John Nevitz or Tamahome? Ooh, I'll do, I'll do John. John has a large speaking role here. Okay. Uh, Tamahome today at today, <laughs> as we record this, June 16th at seven twenty. Okay. We, we won't do them a, a, okay. after this, but this is the time it took place today at seven twenty-seven AM. What audiobook should I listen to with my mom on a four hour trip? Four hours isn't long. Maybe the first Murderbot novella? But based on some of the other stuff your mother hasn't liked in the past... Wait, why do they know that? (laughs) That may be a tough one. How about one or multiple of the LeVar Burton Reads podcasts? LeVar Burton Reads, the best short fiction handpicked by the best voice in podcasting. LeVar Burton Reads, the best short fiction handpicked by the best voice in podcasting. (laughs) This is a copy-paste error. Um, John goes on to say... If it is four hours each way, so eight total, you might fit in some of the shorter Discworld books. Those are always fun. (sighs) Thanks. She doesn't like fantasy or science fiction, LOL. Picked Joe Pickett number two. It's only eight hours and has exploding cows. Exploding cows are always fun, except when not. I live in Wisconsin after all. Wink. (laughs) Yes, uh, especially when the cows are just exploding from one end. It's... uh... Bar Burton reads the best short fiction cows exploding from the wrong end. I don't know why that's in there twice. (laughs) The best voice in podcasting. (laughs) Wait, does he say that about himself or did John say that about? No, no, I think he's, I think John probably is. Okay. Okay. Cause I mean, I love LeVar Burton. He's a, he's an awesome guy. I feel like a little bit out of character for him to call himself the best voice in podcasting. I'm the, especially when Tom Merritt lives in this world. (laughs) Hi, I'm LeBavar Burden, the best voice. Yeah, I just don't see that. (laughs) But you don't have to take my word for it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on to some of our... She can't take much more, Captain. I'm the chief engineer, after all, on the next generation. That's like dead on, isn't it? (sighs) 
So Trike says, cover art, is it just me? I got an Amazon email this morning and had this feeling of deja vu all over again. I feel like this is from a long time ago. Oh, because it's from October 10th, 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, now I'm having deja vu. And the reason is because if you go to the most recent post, um, there's a new entry into this, which is uh, Trike, as of May 31st, um, posted IO9's June SFF roundup on Quick Burns and noticed these variations on the theme for books coming out soon. And it was, oh yeah, so for Jamie Lee Moyer, Divine Heretic, Heretic, sorry, Michelle Sagara, Cast in Conflict, and Claire M. Andrews, Daughter of Sparta, they all are women with their backs turned to the viewer, holding swords or spear, in the case of Sparta, um, looking off into the distance, getting ready for battle. Yes, only on Sword and Laser, folks, do you get forum threads that last nine years and are still active being remarked upon in the podcast at least twice, because I actually remember talking about this when it was first posted in 2012. Yeah, me too. Um, Yeah. Because I was like, wait, I remember- I'm not saying we didn't talk about it another Because he was comparing, the first one was comparing George R. R. Martin and Brent Meeks, I think. and. The Mark, Mark Lawrence. Lawrence. Thank you. And so when I looked at that, yeah. I was like, hmm, I feel like I've talked about this already. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did nine years ago. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Mark went on to say last week, um, full body portraits without facial features were 50 percent off last month. <laughs> I mean, I think probably what we said last time, although I honestly don't remember, is that uh, once that the book covers are usually picked in order to stand out in the marketing, both on the shelf and in online stores. And so whatever is resonating with the audience, sometimes they'll even do testing on Mm -hmm. this stuff is what they'll pick. And once they find that something works with one book, it probably there's convergent evolution where another publisher figures out the same thing is working. Right. For whatever reason, the same thing is working. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or the, it's either convergent evolution or it's imitation where it's like, oh, that works. Let's do, uh, let's do that, too. In this, in this other one. Well, funny coincidence. Um, this is actually even more relevant right now because there was a great 99 PI, uh, 99% Invisible episode recently um, back on June 1st, actually, surprisingly enough, um, mm-hmm. called The Clinch, which is about romance novels. Um, and specifically, they talk about the design of romance novel cover art, um, which includes a a a situation i don't know what to call it a a pose a a type of pose called the clinch where like the Mm -hmm. man is holding the woman and her back is arched and it's very like intense and their lips are like barely Mm -hmm. touching and it's a very standard kind of pose um and they talk about like why that's popular and why so many artists did that and like talk to the models who used to pose for these and and how it's um and how the art uh, for different books is actually used as a signifier to readers of the novels about what kind of book they are. So certain colors mm. are um, like, for example, like blue backgrounds tend to be like paranormal romance. Um, some right, like right. are signifiers or flags for like LGBTQ romances. Mm. Um, so there's all these different like pieces of information signifiers that they bake some into. Some signify this is about wrestling. Yes. Yes. They didn't cover that in this the podcast. Yeah. I see. Mm-hmm. I see. That is um, boxing actually. <laughs> it's boxing. 
also boxing. Also boxing. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I thought that was a funny, uh, funny coincidence on, on that part. Yeah. Oh, I skipped yeah, one. So sure. if you want to go back to a hundred years of uh, science fiction tag map. We now take you back 100 years, <laughs> but to a post from June 6th. Uh, this is from Richard. Richard says, a friend linked me an interesting map of science fiction books on Goodreads, organized by tags in a graph. So it's a tag cloud, but it's also a map of Goodreads. It's a bit hard to read, but you get an idea of the major topics people have entered in Goodreads to read oh, cool. to describe the book genre. It goes back to books from 1900. And uh, if you've ever seen one of those tag clouds where they, you know, the dots that are all connected by lines, and then they'll have uh, colors for the different tags so that you can see the concentration. Uh, this one has large concentrations around time travel, parallel universe, mm -hmm. telepathy, android, group mind, magical feminism, time travel, galactic empire, interstellar war, dying earth, post-humanism, galactic Ooh. empire, virtual reality, and then kind of off on, on, on in orbit to the right. Collective consciousness, Fermi paradox, galactic empire. Yeah. You said that already. AI dom dominance, replicant artificial intelligence. And you can um, click by like authors as well. So if you click on Anne McCaffrey, for example, you can see like all of her books and where they fit into these different themes. So that's mm -hmm. kind of neat. Um, so you could click on her and then yeah, you can go through cool like thing. time period. Um, you can go through keywords. So yeah, super interesting. Um, you could play with this for a, a really long time. I love these kinds of data visualizations. Yeah. If you're into data visualizations, you're going to want to check this out. All right. Well, let's hop into some book of the month discussion. Um, we are discussing Piranesi by Susanna Clark, which was a, of course, Nebula nominee uh, this year. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm finished. You're finished. We're both finished, but we're not mm. going to be wrapping it up mm -hmm. this week because this is a no spoilers this week. middle of the month kind of situation going on here. Um, but we do want to talk about some of the discussions that you all have been happening over on Goodreads. Um, and so last week we were joking around about what we would name years. And Jan said, I'm still very much at the beginning of the book, but the narrator's discussion on how to name slash identify years has got me thinking. Um, by the way, no spoilers for the ending of the book. There may be some references to things that happen midway. We're kind of past the, the beginning portion. So, you know, if you haven't figured out yet that he names years after things that have happened, then I'm sorry. And, and, and I should point out that Jan is reposting in Goodreads, the exact same thing we mentioned on the last mm -hmm. show that he posted in discord. But there's a thread. We're attached. getting a little. So if you're like, wait, didn't Jan say this last time? Yeah, he it's, said it in. It's same thing. It's a different place. He said it in Discord. I wouldn't know that. We already discussed about why. <laughs> um, but in this thread, which I can see because I do have access to Goodreads, um, so, so far. far, so far they haven't taken it away from me yet. Um, but Trike and Terp Kristen have some really funny uh, versions of what their their years would be called. Uh, Trike says, 2016, the year our dogs Wabash and Gogo -Go came to live with us. 2017, the year mm. of Little Rain, Big Snow. 2018, the year of Eye Problems Galore. Oh, no. Oh, 2019, no. the year of Eye Problems Galore some more. 2020, oh, no. no good plague year that I not so secretly enjoyed. And 2021, <laughs> Steve. Yeah, it's good. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Terp Kristen marks years by surgeries. Oh. Uh, so... 2001, both shoulders. 2002, tonsils and ankle. 2003, hand and two ankles. 2004, just ankle. 2005, the year without surgery. 
Yay. And it goes, it goes on. on. A lot of surgeries for Terp Kristen. I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, but we did have a stretch there. 2015. Wow. No surgery again. 2016. Wow. 2017. Wow. Times three. 2018. Woo. 2019. Woo. 2020. Oh, yeah. Tough years. There's been some tough years, folks. Yep. There's been some tough years. Um, all right. So yeah, find out what your, figure out what your names for your years would be. Um, the good and the bad, of course, they're all worthy, worthy year names. Um, and then we had another post over here from Seth who says, I remember learning a bit about information seeking behavior in library school, but not nearly as much as I wish I did. The theory that I remember the most is called sense making. And I think I remember it because it was just easy to visualize. Maybe it had a good diagram in that lecture. Essentially, a person carries a mental map of their world, and this mental map is constantly under assault by data. Usually, this results in a refinement to the map. The person doesn't often delete their whole conceptual map. They just fit in new information to what they already have. Sometimes, however, you come across information that completely upsets the entire frame you view your world through, and you throw out the old map and start drawing a new one. This causes you to question things you wouldn't before and to seek out new information more actively. And he goes on to say, since we ride in Piranesi's head through the book, we get to see him enriching his notebooks with all the trivia he comes across. This is him refining and adding detail to his mental map, just in a more organized and literal way than most of us do. Then, I'll keep it vague and spoiler-free, he has some pretty startling realizations, and we get to see just how shaken he is by realizing he's going to have to reevaluate the basis for his whole system of knowledge. This fit the sense-making model so closely that it left me wondering if Susanna Clark had some sort of information science background. Ah, uh, this is such good insight, mm-hmm. Seth. Uh, it does does absolutely describe a lot of what's going on with Piranesi in the book. And if she didn't have information science background, maybe she read about this or knew someone who did, uh, or maybe she just kind of stumbled across the the same thing in, in her thinking, but yeah, it fits, it fits really close. Doesn't yeah. it? Um, oh, this makes me think of, and this is not the same thing at all, but I feel like it would be a really good idea for a book that I'm going to put out there into the world. So you can have my idea because I will never write this book, but imagine, imagine you got stuck in your own mind palace yeah. And like, but it turned into an actual world. Uh huh. You can use that for NaNoWriMo if you want, but you have to credit me on the first page. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't think this is spoilery to say, uh-huh. but there was a point when I kind of wondered if maybe that was what was going on with Bernie. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable thought. And I bet yeah. if you wrote that book or if somebody wrote that book, people would be like, this was heavily inspired by Piranesi. And you'd be like, no, it's not. Well, obviously, just a ripoff of Piranesi. <laughs> yeah, but I like that Yeah, idea. that's pretty cool. Mind Palace, like a, like Sherlock Holmes. Are you or watching Hannibal. Lupin? No. Do, are you familiar with Lupin? Yes. Okay. There is a scene in the most recent season where, so uh, it's about like tangentially about this his, like um, fictional thief, gentleman thief. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I know. And of it. yeah. And in the, one of the books that is like based on apparently like not real books, he encounters a master detective named Herlock Schlomes. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> like, I kind of love that. Why? <laughs> 
Sherlock Holmes is in the public domain. Like, I think it's okay to reference Sherlock Holmes, no? No, but what's brilliant about that is like the Holmes estate, uh, I'm sorry, the Doyle estate, uh, has tried to uh, assert some copyright ownership over parts that aren't public domain. Oh, okay. Uh, in fact, they they very famously sued Netflix over Enola Holmes. <gasps> and maybe that's uh, why. And so I wonder if Lupin is just like trolling them by like, oh, well, it's Herlock Schlomes. Uh, you don't want to get in it trouble. It made me laugh so hard. I was like, Herlock Schlomes? <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's like his evil alter ego. He's got like a little like yeah. <laughs> exactly. spindly mustache. Has a, a little mustache. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, then we got, uh, another one from Seth, Seth, Seth doubling down mm-hmm. on the pure and easy stuff. Good job. Seth, uh, said, I had to look it up though. I remember it existed, but there's a quote from Frankenstein, the 1818 text that came to mind. Mary Shelley wrote, learn from me, if not by my precepts, at least by my example, how dangerous is the acquirement of knowledge and how much happier the man is who believes his native town to be the world than he who aspires to become greater than his nature will allow. Obviously, when it comes to Frankenstein, the warning is about acquiring knowledge without thinking through the consequences. But in some sense, there's a parallel Mm -hmm. here. Does acquiring knowledge always mean the loss of innocence? Re Paranesi. Does knowing the truth about the something remove some of the wonder Damn, from it? Damn, that's good. Good job, Seth. Yeah, this is. I think this is one of the fundamental questions of Piranesi. Uh, You know, with without without getting into what happens, uh, there are a lot of questions about what is in Piranesi's best interests. Yeah. What what would be better for them, and what would not. Uh, and, and we'll talk a lot about that when we wrap this up and get spoilery. Cause that, that is, that is, I think one of the most interesting aspects of the story. Well, Chris goes on to say, um, I'll never forget in my high school U S history class, having to analyze the wonderful wizard of Oz in terms of the political, economic, and social events of America in the 1890s. It sucked the joy right out of that book, which is funny because the book in turn, or the story of the wizard of Oz is also about learning the truth about something and having the joy in in a sense sucked out of it the wonder the joy kind of removed from on the, the myth on the other hand uh i mean this is all a very fa- th- these are somewhat fancy ways of saying ignorance mm-hmm, is bliss mm-hmm. right uh i when i found out that there could have been and apparently it's it's not necessarily true but there could have been direct parallels between the Wizard of Oz and the political and economic social events of America at the time of its writing, I found that fascinating. It made me enjoy it even yeah, more. That, I was like, oh my gosh, ruined it for that's me amazing. I love- yeah. So your mileage may vary. And I think it's one of those things where if you focus in too close, then it looks like it's a bad thing. But if you widen out and consider the 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 broader picture, it probably gets balanced out, right? Like, yes, it might suck the joy out of the idea that dragonflies are fairies to learn how a dragonfly actually works and reproduces, but it still opens you up to a whole world of like, oh, this is how insects work and seeing how other things work and understanding the miracle of evolution and the miracle of how nature actually operates. And I think that's worth mm-hmm. it, right? So you may, you may, you may feel better about being in your native town, Mary Shelley, but gosh, if if you do venture forth, just think of the wonders that you will encounter eventually. So I don't know. We'll talk more about that next time, I think, for sure, yeah, yeah, in yeah. terms of the the ending of the book. Sorry to call out Mary Shelley. I know. But I'm just saying. She can't even defend herself. Jesus. Um, 
Well, she should have lived longer. <laughs> Harsh man. <laughs> Low blow. Um, should we name, would it be, <laughs> would it be too weird to name the episode Herlock Shlomes and the Loss of Innocence? Oh, man. No, I think that is what it has to be named. How do you spell Shlomes? S-H-L-O-M-E-S. And you know this because there are captions. because yeah, it's in en français. Because it's in en français. So you're not listening to it in French. I'm listening to it in the original French and reading the English captions. Yes. It's <laughs> oh, not so dubbed. You have to rely on the yeah, captions. it's not dubbed. Which I'm grateful for. You're not you, you should turn the captions off and just listen to it in French. You can probably be able to figure out really most of what's it. going on. Yeah, you might, actually. Yeah. How would you know? You haven't seen it. No, but I Eileen watched oh, it. Did, so. Okay. Well, that about wraps up our episode. Um, there was some science fiction in there and fantasy, I would say. Oh, yeah. There's the fantasy that we know that we're talking about. Our show is currently entirely funded by you, our wonderful patrons. Thank you so much to all the folks who back our show. If you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Help put food in my baby's mouth. Do that. <laughs> Do that because our baby's very so hungry. hungry. And if and if you feed the baby, they're more likely to sleep. Oh. So. You could really help Veronica sleep. sleep so bad. Patreon.com slash sword and laser. Uh, you can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find the books, uh, links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram and the Twitters at sword and laser. And you can join in on all of our discussions at goodreads.com slash sword and laser. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!